Welcome to another episode in the series of podcasts, 168 Things, where we talk about all things creative and marketing, and creative life in general. Today we're going to talk about making decisions in business, for sure, but also in life, I guess, because the same principle can be applied to both. Now I'm going to describe something that you may find a very surprising approach to this, but bear with me. I know a young woman who frequently finds it hard to make decisions, and when she does, she sometimes comes to me for advice. When she was younger, um, I would basically weigh out the pros and cons with her and probably give her an idea of what I thought the correct decision would be. But she's older now, and when she got to be a grown-up, I thought maybe there would be a better way to do this. And I had to think about how I could do it, and I came up with something that really works. So let's imagine that she's come to me with a dilemma. She's got two options, doesn't matter what they are. Maybe she's choosing between two different jobs, the one she's doing and a new job offer. Or it could be two different holiday destinations, or, or even where to go and live, two choices. Um, she's very clever. She thinks really hard about important stuff like this. And any of those decisions, she'll take a long time. She'll look at them from every side. She'll weigh them up. And she doesn't hurry. In fact, she goes past the point where she thinks she should have decided. And that's where things start to go wrong. She starts to feel a lot of negative emotions. She feels frustrated. She feels impatient. She's, she, she goes through some self-criticism. And most of all, she feels like other people are, are tapping their fingers and huffing and puffing because they wanted to get on with it. It's not actually clear who those people are. They probably don't exist other than in her imagination. But the thing is, some of these decisions will affect other people. And even though they're not actually saying or doing anything to put pressure on her, she thinks they are or she feels that they are. So, when she asked me, what do I think? What should she do? I, first of all, I'll say, right, okay, well, I'm not going to make this decision for you. But let's go through this. Um, Secondly, I know she's a very determined person. And when she makes her decision, she'll stick with it. She will push it through. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why I think making a decision is hard for her, because she knows how determined she is. She knows that she'll go through with it. And in a negative way of looking at that, what that means is she's stuck with whatever the the decision is. So it makes it harder to come to a decision. The third thing is I can't add any new information to her decision-making process because she's so thorough. She's done all the pros and cons, up, down, and sideways. So how do I help? Okay, so first, I'll listen to her. She'll rehearse the arguments, pros and cons, out loud, because doing that makes them clearer and simpler. But it won't help her decide. It just clarifies the the decision and helps reframe the question. I'll probably ask her some more questions to draw more of this out and get more clarity. And I'll probably say, we'll do some what-ifs. If you do that, what will it be like for you? How would you feel? What'll happen? That kind of thing. 
And then usually what I'll say to her is, well, I think you should sleep on it because I've always found that going to sleep on something and letting your subconscious mind process it, which is something I also recommend in creative uh, thinking, is a very helpful way to to get to clarity. But then what I say to her is, when you wake up, I want you to toss a coin. And the first time I said to this to her, she said, what? You can't be serious. This is a really important decision. Am I really going to decide it on the basis of a coin toss? It's a life-changing thing. And it's keeping me awake at night, and that's what you're proposing. Now, I said, yeah, let's do it. This is what we're going to do. And the reason is, well, the reason will become apparent. Okay, so I think she knows the answer already. I think it's buried inside her. I think it's just hidden from her. And if she asked the correct guru, that person could possibly point her in the right direction. But I think it's important for her to find her own inner guru, or maybe I should say oracle, because we're talking about what happens in the future. And that's what oracles, one of the things that oracles are supposed to tell us. So, ideally, she's got a yes-no question or a XY question. If it's more complicated, she can divide it down into categories and make more than one toss of the coin. But the basic decision here is you say, okay, heads is yes, tails is no, or heads is X, tails is Y. Now, the next thing to say is she shouldn't do this just on her own, because when you do things on your own like this, there's always room to wiggle out of whatever the thing is telling you. And it's much better if that doesn't happen. So you should do it with someone else. It could be me. doesn't matter. And that person who she's with could be the person who actually tosses the coin. That's fine. Now, the minute the the coin lands, it'll tell her what to do, but not in the obvious way. Okay, so the, the coin says it's heads, it's X, or yes, or whatever it is. But the very first question that she has to ask herself, or be asked, and it's better if it is to be asked by someone else, is how does that answer make you feel? Most of the time, she will have had an immediate reaction. And this is what tells her what to do, not the coin. Did she immediately think, yes, I'm absolutely happy to do what the coin says. It's a relief to be told to do that. Or did she think, no, that's terrible. The coin is telling me to do something and I really don't want to. But now she knows how she feels. She's defined it really clearly. She has, by using the coin brought her intuition and a gut feeling, whatever you want to call it, to the surface. She's felt it, and now she knows what she should do. Not what the coin said, but what her reaction told her was the right decision for her. That's how that works. So it's a simple kind of way to bypass the noise in your head that is getting in the way of you clearly understanding what you feel about the decision that you've got to make. Now, of course, the premise this rests on is that your feelings about the decision are correct. And in the real world, we can't know for sure, obviously, what the correct decision will be, how it'll turn out. But it is better to make a decision where your gut feeling is telling you, yeah, this is the way I want to do things. Because, first of all, you'll be happier and you'll feel, okay, if it goes wrong, at least I tried. At least I made a decision that made me, you know, that I felt confident with. But also because your unconscious has probably processed some of the information and quite accurately 
determined what would be a good course of action for you. So you're trusting yourself here. When I was thinking about this, I thought, well, this is kind of like the guru is you, the guru is inside you. And then I found someone who actually published a book with pretty much that title. So we're not going to have that. And I also thought, yeah, we talk about gurus in the marketing business quite a lot. Um, but as I said just now, maybe this is all about oracles. And those of you that studied classics will know that oracles were very important in the ancient world. They were used extensively to guide public policy. And the most famous of those oracles was the one at Delphi in Greece on Mount Parnassus, an amazing place uh, still to go and visit. In that, in those days, it was there was a queue apparently outside the oracle at times of people coming to get answers, and inside was a priestess who was deemed to be in communication with the god Apollo, and she through that communication would come up with answers to people's questions. But famously, the answers that she gave were not always easy to understand. They were kind of cryptic. Um, and one way of thinking about this is that that is a bit like the coin toss, because the way that you then decide to interpret the somewhat cryptic answer that you've been given is guided by your intuition about what the correct decision should be. Now, in the history of ancient Greece and of Rome, in fact, there are examples of people interpreting those oracles or the oracular utterances and coming to disastrous conclusions. But more often, uh, the interpretations that were put upon them were, were, were found to be correct. Anyway, this is not all about ancient history, but I do think it's interesting that in those societies, they found a way to liberate uh, the intuition, the gut feeling, and that's exactly what we're trying to do here. Okay, now I've elevated this to a ridiculous plane. But what I'm saying is that you'll usually get a straightforward answer. Now, sometimes you won't. Sometimes you will get an answer that says, actually, I feel, you know, it's telling me to do this, and I don't have a feeling about it. I've, I've got the answer, yes or no, and I actually feel numb. And I encountered this quite recently when I was doing this very thing, the, the coin toss, with my esteemed business partner, Chalice. So we're going to cut over to her now, and she's going to talk about with, with me about what happened on that occasion. I should just tell you that we recorded this uh, conversation via Zoom, which tells you two things. One, that you can do the coin toss via Zoom, and that's, that's handy to know. And two, for some reason, the sound quality at Chalice's end was better than at my end. I have no idea why. If anyone wants to give me advice on recording via Zoom, I'm all ears. Um, and actually, the third thing that we learned from this was that there's a neighbourhood dog that likes to periodically make an appearance in a podcast and and welcome to him or her for very useful contributions that you'll hear in the background. So thanks. Okay, let's let's hear what Chalice has to say. I remember having a moment of indecision about something that mm. really um, should have been an easy decision, mm. but I was being un, um, characteristically for me, I was being indecisive and I remember flipping the coin mm. and I remember the result of that flip was, I wasn't, I still wasn't quite sure, but what I guess it did confirm to me was that I was neither 
positive or negative about something. I neither wanted to do what I thought I wanted to do or didn't want to do it. So it put me in a space where I was a bit numb. Yeah, okay. Well, exactly. That's what I want to talk to you about. Because when I um, when we did that with you, I know what you're talking about because we were talking about your boat. Yes. And we were talking about, should I sell it or not? Mm. And, you know, we talked about, well, it's expensive because it's old. It's not worth a lot of money, but it needs a lot of money put into it to keep it afloat. Can't really not do it because sailing is dangerous. If you're in a boat that's going to fall apart, that's not a good thing, obviously. And keeping a boat in a mooring is expensive and so on. So there's a lot of cost involved. And we were weighing, we were talking about how much use you get and how much pleasure you get versus how much time you have to put in on maintenance. And you can do some of it yourself, some of it you have to pay for and so forth. So that's quite a lot of information. And yeah, then we talked about the contributing factor here. There time. was contributing, yeah, time. It was about the amount of time and the complexity of the responsibility and whether or not I would be um, have as much fun all year round on a boat which would be more accessible. So mm. I was trying to weigh up um, the time and the amount of time that the input um, reaps as a result of the, um, the British summertime not being as long as I would like it to be and whether or not I should have a different type of boat because I could use it all year round. And actually, it would probably be slightly less complex to run anyway. I can't remember. I think when it came down, it said sell the boat. Yeah. And I said, I don't feel like selling the boat. I feel numb. Yeah. Please, because now um, there are less, you know, there's less to do because I've got been through the maintenance season mm. and I've moved it to a place where there are um, boat fixing blokes in abundance. And I'm very, very pleased that um, I was numb because actually it's proven to, to have been the right decision for me. Okay, so does that mean that, in fact, when the coin came down and said sell it, yes. you said, oh, I'm numb, I don't care. But actually what you really felt was I don't want to sell it. Yes, that's exactly what I felt. That's interesting because I, because I haven't spoken to you about this since. I've always previously. It's always been really clear. If the thing says that you know, yes, I want to do that, or no, I don't want to do that. That's very clear. What you actually said was, oh, I don't know, I'm numb. Yeah. I'm now saying is that actually what the truth was. It had pointed you in the wrong direction, and you knew it at that point. Yes, I think the because that worked. At the point, yeah, so it worked, but in a different way. It, it worked in reverse. I think the point is that we used the coin because I was having a, a, a moment of indecision, mm. which is uncharacteristic for me. I'm usually very decisive and sure of my decisions and confident around them. And um, I was being indecisive, and you probably thought, right, let's get on with this. And actually it made me decisive because I realised um, that, I was numb. Now is not the time to make this decision. And very soon after. said it because I thought, oh, okay, this is an outcome I haven't encountered before. It wasn't a yes or no outcome immediately, Mm. but it led to an outcome. Well, I suppose in a way it was a yes or no outcome because the decision not to make a decision is, as people have frequently said, a decision itself. (laughs) Yeah. By deciding to do nothing, you're really saying I'm not going to start it. But that's, 
but it didn't come, quite come out that way. And I thought about it afterwards and thought, well, does that mean there's not enough information or does it mean there's too much information here? Or does it just mean this needs a bit more time? Yeah. And actually, I think... The other- she was having a moment of indecision and she snapped out of it and made her mind up pretty quickly and she's glad of the outcome. Then that's exactly what it always does. Indeed. In my experience. And I thought you'd thrown up something different, but in fact what you're saying is no. It, no, it, it cured the indecision. Yes, it cured the indecision, but not immediately at that point with the coin. I My response was I'm numb. How long afterwards do you think you then knew that the decision was not to sell? About three days afterwards when I stepped on my boat again. Because huh. she is so gorgeous. She's right. such a lovely classic boat. Yep. Yep. Right. Okay. It works. It worked. It worked for me. It works. It, it's worked with everyone I've ever done it with because it has always, even if it's the negative, it always points to the positive. So it's very interesting. Does always have a coin in your pocket because <laughs> <laughs> that's you, easier said than done. I never have money on me. No, I know you like the coin, but you you <laughs> need to have a coin around so that you can do this because this right. is going to help you make all your all your decisions. Well, this is most um, interesting. It's now. Um, it's now wine o'clock, and I'm going to have to make a decision. Okay. And I've got three potential outcomes here. One is red, one is white, and the other one is fizz. Oh, How dear. do I deal with that? <laughs> do I toss three coins? <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so how do you use a coin toss to decide between three alternatives? You have yeah. to break the decision down. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk so you through it. All right. You're going to have to cost, cost, toss the coin twice. That's right? a tongue twister. Yes. All right. Okay, so you're going to put the fizz, because the fizz is white, isn't it? Yes, yes, it you're is. You're going to put the fizz and the white on one end, tails, and the red on heads. Oh, no, but hold on. I might have champagne. That's red. That, how does that work? You've got red champagne. No, but um, lots of champagne are made from red grapes. Have you? What have you actually got in your drinks cabinet here? I have got a combination of goodies. There is red wine. Yes. There is champagne. There is prosecco, or there is white wine. So there are four alternatives. They're much easier then. <laughs> okay, I'll narrow it down. Okay, so you just divide them into two groups. One is going to have red and champagne. The other is going to have prosecco and white. Yeah. Right. Have okay. Got, have you got a coin? Uh, no. I'll get one. I'll I'll do the the um, tossing. Well, no, we can't. We have to record this because everyone's going to want to know what the outcome is. Have you got a coin? Uh, I can, I'm pretty sure I can find one. Hang on. All right, let's let's go find one. Yes, I've got one. I Excellent. One. Okay, so that I'm clear. By the way, it's a Kenyan uh, shilling that I've got here, and it's got a lion on one side. It's actually ten Kenyan shillings, which is worth about threepence so it's got a lion on one side and a coat of arms with a lion and uh, another lion i think on the back so we're going to call the lion heads and the coat of arms tails okay okay heads heads i drink white wine or white fizz and tails you drink red or champagne wine or champagne okay here we go heads or tails okay it's tails 
Oh, good. So what's that? That's white. Or Prosecco. Or Prosecco. Right, now you've got to decide whether... So heads is... One of these is... Heads is Prosecco and tails is white. Okay. Is that is that okay? That's absolutely fine. It's come up heads. Prosecco. Are you happy with that? I'm happy with that. In fact, I'm really happy with that. I fancied fizz. That's why I put it in the equation. I'm actually not much of a red wine drinker, but I do have it on occasions because it certainly tastes better than most white wines. There's no doubt about that. So, so the coin has decided that you are going to have Prosecco. Amazing. Well, without further ado, I'm out of here. Anyway, it's nice to podcast with you, Paul. So there you have it. Talis decided not to sell the boat on the basis of what the coin told her. It took her three days of of kind of responding to the coin's directions, but it worked out. And then more importantly, perhaps, she decided to have a glass of Prosecco. So we'll leave her in possession of an old boat that needs a lot of work doing on it and a glass of Prosecco in her hand to possibly smooth the way forward. Okay, the coin toss. A very effective way to make decisions, to bring out your inner oracle and guide you in a direction that will give you happiness and success. We hope. Thanks very much for listening. That was another episode in our series of podcasts, 168 Things. I do hope you enjoyed it. We're always open for communication. If you want to get in touch, please email us on 168things at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. See you again soon. Bye.